morning. It is wonderful to see people on our patio and to see the cameras in front of me so that I know that we are worshiping with those at home as well. Regardless of if you're here or at home, we are so happy to know that we are connecting as a community of faith together. This morning, we continue our series on the Sermon of the Mount as we explore what it means to be living into the kingdom. After our exploration of the Beatitudes, the Torah extensions, Jesus' thoughts on practicing piety, and the Lord's Prayer, in addition to where our treasures are stored, today we reflect on various aspects of the challenges we face as we follow the narrow road to the kingdom of heaven. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? God most high, God most free, throughout the ages you have called your people to journey through this imperfect and broken world and through their own imperfect and broken lives toward the new whole world you have promised. As we draw closer to Easter, May we sense your spirit stirring us to continue our journeys, trusting you will not only guide us to the road that leads to life, but also strengthen us to travel it, following in the footsteps of our great teacher, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now's the time in our worship service where I'm going to invite the children who are at home to come close to your TV screens, your computer monitors, your telephones or tablets, so that I can have an opportunity to talk directly to you. I'm going to be talking to the adults as well because I have an invitation for them, but I want to make sure that we talk about, about prayer and how prayer is so important to our faith life and who we are. In our Celebrate Wonder curriculum, we talked this week about how Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives to pray. Now those, of, those within our congregation who went to the Holy Land last year, we got to see that place and we got to experience what it might have been like and see trees that were around when Jesus would have been praying there. That amazes me to no end. I don't know about you, but to think the trees are over 2,000 years old, what? That's crazy. And there's something special about that, to know that prayer covers many years and many lifetimes, and that there's places where God has touched people's lives in profound and real ways. I asked you where your favorite places were to pray while you were, uh, while we were in the Celebrate Wonder curriculum, and I'm curious in terms of what is your favorite place to pray and how you might continue to experience God more fully. The amazing thing is, is that we are reminded that just as Jesus went to pray with God at di- or went to pray at different occasions, we can pray to God at different times and for different things. We can pray to God when we're sad. We can pray to God when we're happy. We can pray to God when we're afraid. And God will be present to us. God will love us. 
And that's such a gift to know that the prayers that we lift up now, God hears, and to know that Jesus prayed to God as well. That gives me comfort, and I hope it gives you comfort. I know that each day when we gather, whether it's online or in person, we say a prayer together, the one that says, thank you, God, for today. Thank you, God, for tomorrow. Thank you, God, for loving us. I had someone within our church ask me, how come we never thank God for yesterday? And I was like, that's a really good question. So I want you guys to try to challenge me or remind me, especially if you're here, to say, hey, Pastor Rachel, what about yesterday? Weren't there good things that happened yesterday? Because yes, more than likely they are. But there's another prayer that you can say. I like giving you options so that you don't feel like you have to say the same thing each time. So when you wake up in the morning, I want you to think about saying, good morning, God. And then stretch your arms out as wide as possible and say, thank you, God, for another day to serve you. Amen. That's a great way to start your day, and I hope that this day you have started your day at that as well. I'm going to do it one more time, so if you are at home, you can do it with me. Good morning, God. Thank you, God, for another day to serve you. Amen. joys of being live outside as the motorcycles zoom by. <laughs> oh, is that a praise to God as well? Well, if you're a, a bike rider, uh, maybe that exciting sound is. Let us take a moment now to center ourselves on the spirit of God that is within and join with those others in worship this morning uh, to claim God's power that uh, we experience and share with one another through this act of faith that we call prayer. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, bring us forgiveness and healing, inspiration and empowerment, confidence and encouragement as we open our hearts to you this morning and join with one another in prayer. May your grace and love wash over all of us this morning. Touch us, uplift us, transform us by your spirit this day. All of us have been affected by this pandemic in one fashion or another. A whole year now of physical distancing and disruption of jobs or social life at the least and severe illness and, and death at the most. We have all been touched. 
In a special way, Lord God, we pray that you would be with the sorrowful and the heartbroken, the depressed and forlorn, who are struggling mightily in these stressful days. We think of those who are having this pandemic layered on an already untenable situation of oppression or prejudice, violence, hunger or homelessness, abandonment or loneliness. These are our brothers and our sisters most in need of your tender mercies and radical transformative change. Help them, Lord God. Help us help them. As together we help the whole of ourselves be better neighbors to one another. And it is by your help that we all will be sustained. Be with us all, Lord God. We think this morning of some specific folk who have come to our attention and stand in need of your healing or comforting touch. Hear our prayers as we ask you to come to their assistance. We think of the family and friends of Ron Griffin who are mourning his death last week. A clergy friend of Rachel and mine and known by many clergy and lay people throughout our conference. We pray for the family and friends of Charlene Sundgren, longtime member and employee of our church here, mourning her death this last week. We grieve over her departure from us. We, we pray for Jim Lawson's daughter, Susan, and her bout with cancer. We pray that the care that she will receive will be able to meet the threat that this cancer poses to her well-being. Help her to get the information and care that she needs. We pray for Lynn Dockin as she recovers from a health incident last week. We pray for Bishop Daniel Arakia, recovering from intestinal surgery of last week. We pray for Linda Northrup and her continuing recovery from cancer surgery and treatments. We pray for James Birmingham as he heals from a broken arm and for Sandy North, uh, Northoff's daughter, Amy's friend, Lanny, who is recovering from a serious car accident. We pray for Russ Blowers, a friend of the Ames family, as he deals with a second surgery for Mose, for Marla Bowers, dealing with her spine pain and for her breast cancer and for their daughter, Monica, 
who has a reoccurrence of ovarian cancer. And with Ernie Lauer, we, we raise uh, prayers of celebration that her daughter Michelle is doing so well as a response to her chemo treatment and prayers of hope that she will be uh, reviewed well by Stanford for additional treatment and perhaps even a transplant. And we think this week of those people who have uh, suffered the, the tragedy and the shooting in Atlanta, the eight families that have lost of loved ones and, and many others who have been shocked and are grieving over this act of violence. Again, as we have so often, too often in our past, we pray for our society and the violence that seems to walk among us. We pray that we would do better with one another. Help us, Lord to do better with one another. And we give you thanks once again, as we do every day for those essential workers in our community that are helping to feed and stock shelves and, and do all that work that is in the background of us living daily in our homes and in community. We thank you for those who have stepped forward and are a part of the the medical teams from the workers in the hospital and the clinics to those providing the medical care, the doctors and the nurses and all the technicians, heroes, all of them. We praise you for giving them the compassion and the talents to step forward and to do this work for us. We are grateful for their contributions. To these, we would add those who we remember privately in the quiet of our thoughts now today in worship. Holy and loving God, be with all of these folk. And we pray also for our church and our ministries that our efforts to do your good would be effective and pleasing in your sight. Equip us and retool us for the challenges that are ahead. Help us to stand fast in faithfulness and trust in you. May we be of consequence for the good of others and for your glory. We pray this all in your son's holy name, joining in the prayer he taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. If thou but suffer God to guide thee and hope in God through all thy ways, God will give strength whatever betide thee and bear thee through the Trust in God's unchanging love, built on the rock that naught can move. Sing, pray, and keep God's ways unswerving, so do thine own part faithfully. And trust God's word through undeserving, thou yet shalt find it true for thee. God never yet forsook at need the soul that trusted God Our scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and verses 24 through 27. Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was its fall. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
moment of prayer. Awesome and almighty God, we thank you for walking with us, for sitting down to teach us such important words in the Sermon on the Mount. Help us to see how you are inviting us to live into the kingdom, to build foundations that will help us be secure, regardless of the storms that we may encounter in life. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It is great to be in person, seeing people in front of me, and worshiping outdoors where the wind is blowing and we hear dogs barking in the background. Actually, not right now, but during Pastor Walt's prayer, which I thought was fabulous because the dog was praying with us. Um, just like in one of my, uh, my uh, devotion classes, we have a cat who talks to us the whole time. And it's great because I feel like the cat is a part of our conversation and it's so fun. I find it interesting because when we were doing this in the fall, I was running away from the sun. I was like, where can I hide? Where can I not get a sunburn during this time? And today I'm like, ooh, the sun feels so great. The sun is a reminder of us of spring, of the gift of new life and the warmth of God's love and renewal. And while some of us may be cold and bundled up, the sun gives us joy and hope. As I shared in our opening words, today's sermon is, is the final portion of the Sermon on the Mount. It is the part that ties it all together and finalizes everything. Don, <laughs> I knew his name two seconds ago and it went out of my head. Don read for us the, the scripture for today and he read the first verse in the scripture and the last verse in the scripture. Uh, starting with verse 7, and it goes all the way through 27 that we're looking at, or 29 if you want to go to the end of the chapel, chapter. And there's so much rich information. I don't know if I'm going to touch upon everything, but I would encourage you to go ahead and read Matthew 7, 7 through 27 or 29 to get a feel for everything that Jesus said there. Now, sometimes it may feel like when Pastor Walt and I give a sermon, we haven't connected all of the dots and have not put all of the pieces together for you in such a way that we said, this is exactly what I want you to know today. Jesus does something very similar. He finishes up his sermon, and you have to think about what he's trying to tell you. You have to consider how Jesus is inviting you to live in the world and what it means to strive for living in the kingdom or living into the kingdom. Jesus, so far in the Sermon of the Mount, has talked about the kingdom's priorities. He's talked about righteousness and servant leadership, practicing as well as praying and preaching, creating, creating not just a community, but a family, avoiding hypocrisy, both creating peace for others and finding peace in ourselves. Amy Jill Levine says, the sermon now in Matthew 7, 6 through 27, concludes with a combination of assurance for the future and guidelines for the present. The last section of what Don preached for us, or read for us this morning, was the story of the two builders, the story where one builder built his house on the rocks and the other built their house on the sand. We, as people of faith, are invited to be builders of our faith, 
creating a structure that works for us on a foundation of God's love, God's grace, so that we truly can strive to live into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus taught about the foundation of the Beatitudes, finding ways to see your blessings that may not be what the world calls blessings, but may be things that help you understand God's kingdom a little more profoundly. Building a foundation on the extensions that Jesus shared, recognizing that the scripture was not done away with, but built upon and added to in Jesus's life and death and resurrection. Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount are ones that invite us to see how the Torah, the scripture, the words of God that are in a book come to life for us in our living and doing and rationally considering how those words pertain to us this day. We have the foundation of the Lord's Prayer that we can build upon for living into the kingdom. We can remember all of those bits and pieces and nuances of that Lord's Prayer that allow us to seek God's will be done, to try to find heaven here on earth, to see the ways in which we can extend forgiveness as we extend for, uh, ways that we can extend forgiveness as we have received forgiveness from God and others, how we are fed each and every day by God's love if we embrace it and live into it so that we have a strong foundation. We build the foundation of our, or our, we build our faith on the foundation of practicing piety, figuring out how we might pray and give and fast in ways that give honor to God and help us grow in our connection to the Lord, as opposed to being something that's on display for other people. We build upon the foundation of addressing our worry and finding ways to to cope with the stressors of our lives and rely on the love of our Lord. We build our foundation of our faith on dealing with our judgmentalism, finding a way to take the log out of our own eye instead of worrying about the speck in someone else's eye. That's not to say that we don't try to help each and every person in our community to be better, but it means that we address our own issues before we try to help someone else with what we perceive to be their issues. We work on making ourselves better so that as we recognize how difficult it is for us to stay on that path, that we can continue to extend grace and love and support to those that we encounter and meet along the way. We build upon the foundation of the golden rule, which is just one of the many pieces of scripture that we skipped over in today's lesson, but one that is so important, one that reminds us to do unto others as we would have to done unto us. And then there's a piece that we sometimes leave out, a piece that says that is fulfilled by the Torah and the prophets, that we recognize how that golden rule lives in out of and into the truth of what our scriptures, what our faith, what our knowing of God invites us to do. So it's not just a, well, I don't want anyone to pester me about this, so I'm not going to say anything. 
but a, what does the Bible invite me to do? How does the Bible invite me to live? And how would the Bible encourage me to, to love others in ways that continue to build the kingdom, that continue to help us be who God wants us to be? The scripture began with a passage about seeking, asking, and knocking, about how we continue to strive for, continue to hope for how God may continue to work within us. Not that we are a work that is completed, but we are always a work in progress, always a person, a child of God, a disciple that is growing and living into God, who God fully wants us to be. Now, in seeking asking and knocking, some of us will go, I've knocked on plenty of doors and I've had doors shut in my face. And that's okay, because we are taught to persevere. We're taught to keep on going. And the truth is, is is Jesus was inviting people to seek, to knock, and to ask. He was talking to people who were already a part of a community, already a part of a beloved family. Amy Jill Levine says this, we recall that Jesus is talking to his disciples about the community to be founded in his name. He's not talking about strangers, he's talking about people in the group, the new family with one foot in the kingdom of heaven. If the disciple has need, the disciple knows that the door will open, what is needed will be found, what is asked will be answered. While community members are to be a light to the world, they are to give when asked, they will still have in their minds um, a reminder that they will, do not need to be taken advantage, disadvantage, taken advantage of. They are to help the disadvantaged, not to be taken advantage of. Again, one can be generous, and this is Levine's words here, without being stupid. Disciples are called to be the light of the world, not dim bulbs. I love that statement. Disciples are called to be light of the world, not dim bulbs. Ask and knock also mean, in terms of human relations, not to demand or barge in. There's a civility in the community that the Sermon on the Mount envisions. There's a lot of rich information there. How do we continue to serve? How do we continue to give? How do we continue to build the kingdom? and recognize that there's times that people may try to take advantage of us, and how do we do it? How do we continue to live authentically and live in ways that we honor that call to serve and to care of and tend to the needs of others? I also love the statement about ask and knock means not to demand or barge in. How do we make requests of the kingdom? How do we build the kingdom in such a way that people feel the love, the welcome, and the hospitality, both in the asking and in the receiving, both in the doing? I I think you get the picture of what I'm trying to say. You know me. I love to share another translation with you of the same passage. And I'm going to share the translation from the Message Bible. One of the things that I really appreciate about the Message is is that it's a a paragraph by paragraph or sentence by sentence translation as opposed to a word for word translation. And sometimes there's nuances that are different because of that reality. 
Don read for us from the NRSV version, and this is the way that 24 through 29 read uh, from the message. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like the smart carpenter who builds his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like the stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Now, this is the way that Jesus ended his message to the Sermon on the Mount, reminding those that were listening that everything that he said are foundational, that need to be worked into our day-to-day living, need to be worked into how we address the world. If we only address it in a Bible study on Sunday mornings when we go to worship or whenever we watch worship online, but don't apply it to the rest of our lives, we're not going to be ready when the storm hits. We're not going to be ready when, when chaos comes. Now, I think that we have worked really hard. We recognize that a storm hit us a year ago and that we continued to build upon what we had and to make sure that we were making our structure more solid in the year that has passed, working to grow in our faith so that we know that God is there in the midst of everything. Jesus is telling us that that we need to put in the effort. For some reason, a quote from Harry Potter keeps coming into my head. Uh, And it's from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Dumbledore is talking to Harry, and he says, Dark times lie ahead for us, and there will be time where we must choose between between what is easy and what is right. Our time of quarantine and our dealing with the pandemic, we have wrestled time and again with what was easy versus what was right. Oh, let me tell you, it was easy to sit on my couch with a bucket of ice cream and eat away my woes of the day. But that wasn't right for my body, for the temple that God has given me. So I've been working on it over the last several months and have actually dropped some weight even in the midst of quarantine. We all have things that we can work on. We all have things that we can do better. We all need to recognize when we are taking the easy approach as opposed to the approach that will help us down the road, will help us when a new storm hits so that we know that we have a God who who we can turn to and a God who continues to support us, love us, and guide us through the process. One of the things that I found interesting in studying the passage for today's sermon is that there's a word that is used 11 times uh, throughout the Matthew 7 passage. In Greek, it is poieo, and it means to do, to work, to strive for. And in all but one of those cases, the verb is in the present tense. This implies continuous, repeated action. To convey this, 
we need to remember it's helping that we continue doing that and it's not an isolated deed it's not something that we do once and we let go of it's something that we continue to strive for we continue to go that's why we are living into the kingdom we are working to improve upon ourselves and our lives now many of us are on the path already but we all have things that we can do to be closer to God, to understand how God is inviting us to help build that kingdom and help us do more, continue to grow, continue to foster and nourish so that we grow. I got lost in my notes, forgive me. So that we continue to to nurture and nourish the things that are important, both for our own personal edification and for the kingdom of God. We are striving not to do what everybody else does, but to listen for God's voice in our lives, the stirring of the message of peace and hope and love in our worlds, and seeing how God is inviting us to be a part of it. Amy Jill Levine says, we recognize that we are already aware that we are basically good people. And at the same time, we are aware that given the imperatives of the Sermon on the Mount, we can do better. The easy path, uh, Jesus talks about the wide road and the narrow gate and how we're trying to get to the narrow gate. The easy path tempts. It's easier to hate our enemies than to love. It's easier to sue someone than to work towards reconciliation. It's easier to be judgmental than to be humble. Jesus is tr sending his disciples a message. He's trying to be honest with them and not give them false hope. He recognizes that there's work ahead. When we talk about the fact that Jesus is setting the foundation for his disciples because he knows what is to come. In two weeks time, we will have the story of the dark days and the light of transformation. So Jesus was preparing the disciples and his followers for the truth then, and we too live into that reality now. The cross is the narrow way. This is a quote from Levine. But it is also the way to show love. No one said that the path into the kingdom would be easy, but is it worthwhile? Absolutely because it allows disciples to focus their love and their talents to, to have better knowledge of self and better concepts of living within a community. Levine encourages us to leave the miracles to Jesus, but to recognize the ways that we can build the kingdom and live into the kingdom now. She says, leave the walking on the water to Jesus. Instead, feed the hungry. Leave the signs and the wonders to the prophets of Israel and John the Baptist. Instead, clothe the naked. Leave the deeds of power, the mighty works, to God. Instead, welcome the stranger. To do that is miracle enough. When we feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and welcome the stranger, we are living into the kingdom. And we can do that because we have built our house of faith on the solid foundation of the Sermon on the Mount, and we are living into the kingdom as we continue to grow and become the disciples that God desires us to be. Amen?
Thank you, Pastor Rachel, for a great sermon. You know, our local community, and if you, if you think about it, really our general society is all held together by people like you who are doing good things for one another. We reach out and we care for one another. We uplift and we support one another, edify and inspire one another. United Methodist Church at Westlake Village seeks to be a community of faith that makes a positive difference in our community by helping our community be full of the kind of people that make a good, positive difference. Your prayers, your presence, your financial support uh, helps us to make this goal a reality. Soon you're going to see on your screen, and as you hear from me, those of you who present as you're leaving, if you haven't uh, made an offering, we encourage you to do so. Those of you at home worshiping, we encourage you now to take a look at your screen and see those instructions on how you can make this kind of a witness, this act of thanksgiving to God and empowerment to other people through our church. Please take note and give generously in that your gifts make a real difference through this community of faith. Thank you.
Well, friends, we have come to the end of our worship service. I have a few moments of housekeeping that I need to do just because I had a few recollections, not about the sermon, but about the children's message. I said I was going to talk to the adults as well, and I realized that I forgot the part that I wanted to address you all with. We today, as Family Ministries in Christian Education, are doing a a couple of activities. We're gathering together to make a resurrection garden, but the part that I want to invite you to is at 4 o'clock, we're gathering to have a palm procession around our church campus with the children of the church. If you are interested in come and witnessing being a part of the crowd for the palm procession, we'd invite you to do so. Go ahead and Bring a palm if you want some, or, or if you want one, I have enough for all of the kids who have registered, but anyone else who wants to come, bring your palms. Not, not these palms, but palm branches. Um, and come and stand on the sideline or be a part of the parade, proclaiming Hosanna, just as we will do next Sunday in worship. These, this video, or we're going to make a video of the kids processing around the campus so it can be a part of our Palm Sunday worship service. But if you want to see it in person and participate, we'd love to have you be a part of it. There is a link for you to register. I believe it was in Friday's email. So if you want to register, uh, please go do that. If you didn't register, we can probably register you on the spot. Shh, I didn't say that. Um, but, but we can probably make that happen. I want to remind you that next Sunday is the beginning of Holy Week. And we have several opportunities from worshiping here on campus, registering and coming and being a part of it, worshiping online. Our Good Friday service will be in unison with Hope Lutheran Church and will be available on our website on Friday at 12 noon. There will be some other opportunities for you to reflect on Holy Week through our morning meditations and a activity for you to do at home if you so desire on Maundy Thursday. We want to make Holy Week profound and sacred so that when we get to Easter in two weeks, we have gone through the emotions of the week and fully experienced the joy of that day. Friends, now rooted in love, nurtured in love, go forth to love, confident that the God who created you in love, the, Holy Spi- or the Christ who meets you with love, and the Holy Spirit who inspires you to love, go with you as we live into the kingdom of heaven. Amen.